we're going to go to 2 Samuel today, chapter 9. We're going to read this entire chapter. You know, I talked about that a few weeks ago. Of all things the people don't do anymore, uh, that's read scripture in the house of God. And we're going to do that today because um, it'll mean a lot for you understanding where we're going today. So if you have a something, preferably a Bible, but if you have something or eyes to follow along, I want you to do that. Now David said, is there anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame uh, in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of uh, Micar, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Micar, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, What is your servant? that you should look upon such a dead dog as I. And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt at the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually. Would you say that word with me, continually? That means it doesn't really have an end. At the king's table. And he was lame in both of his feet. Now, there are some things that I want to make as clear as I, can, as I can make them today. And the first one is that 
Jesus Christ is the shepherd of your soul. And he loves that position. He loves doing that. But he's also equally the king of your soul. He's also the king of your world. He's the king of everything. And there are some things that we just looked at together that tell us in an Old Testament way, a story of what Jesus desires and wants right now and what this king wants. And the first thing I want to point out to you today that the Lord God loves the fact that you're here. He loves the fact we're giving out books that tell people about right now and later on. He loves the fact that we're doing all kind of things over at the other campus and that you do things on an individual basis. But let me tell you what he loves more than anything. He loves the fact that a lost soul that's wandering, that's wayward, is found and brought to him. Because you see, just like he died for your sins, he died for their sins. It's no, there's no uh, debating in the fact that Scotland County is no different than any other county. Amen. We have murders. Amen. We, we've got uh, all kind of things, uh, theft taking place left and right. This is lawlessness, folks. We've, we've got everything going on in the land and in the world. And there's people out here that you don't want to have anything to do with and I don't want to have anything to do with. And the problem with that is Jesus has already had something to do with it 2,000 years ago. So just like he saved you, he wants to save them. And point number one today from this story is everybody, everyone here can be a ziba. Everyone can be a ziba. Now... In this story, we see Jesus, when we look at David, it should remind you of Jesus Christ because Jesus, just like David, he wants to do something good for people, and it's called save them from sin. And he wants you because he left this earth and he went away, and he said, I'm leaving you here to do great and mighty things. I'm leaving you here to finish what I've started. What I've started, I'm leaving you here to seek and to save the lost. And the Lord Jesus is asking all of us today, is there someone here in your world that I can show kindness to? Is there someone you can find? Is there someone you can bring? Is there someone that I can do for what I've done for you? Everybody here can be a Ziba. In fact, in the eyes of God, you are a Ziba, and I am a Ziba. Are we going to go find somebody, though? The second thing is, everybody here and online, everybody knows somebody that needs to meet the king. Amen. Amen. You know somebody right now that needs to meet the king. You know somebody that needs to cross paths with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that can deliver them from the grip of sin and bondage that's on their life. Everybody knows somebody that needs to meet the King. The King is also waiting. This is the third thing I want you to understand. The King is not only waiting 
for me to do something, me to find somebody, but the king himself is just waiting to bless somebody. That's what he said. He said, is there somebody that I can show the kindness of God to? He's just waiting, folks. God's not finished. God's not through. God's not dead. He is alive. And he's just waiting on me to bring somebody to him. That's what he's waiting on. And then if you will just compel them, if you will just find them, if you will just pray, love, lead, and launch them, if you will just do that, God will handle the rest. I promise you that. If you'll just be a ziba and you'll go bring them and you'll find them, the Lord God himself will bless them. He will show them great and mighty things. The fourth thing that we've got to see today is that the king has put the church or the church has been put in place like Ziba and his family and his servants were in place to take care and to make sure that the people we go and get are well taken care of. So I hate to say this today to somebody who may not be ready for it. But what you're doing right here is not the ultimate, it's not the climax of the plan of God according to Acts chapter 2. It's not, folks. This is where we come and we iron sharpens iron and we fellowship and we love and we worship together and we do all that. But I want you to know the church is the body of Christ to do the work of Christ. Now next week, I'm going to spend some time on talking about that whole issue. The body of Christ and the gifts of the Spirit that were given for the body of Christ to do the work of Christ. So I want you to make sure you're praying, but I want you to make sure you're here because I promise you something will be said you've not heard before. I promise you more than likely that's going to happen. But that's the whole reason of the church, you see. And if you want to know what the church looks like, just take a little stroll through the New Testament and, and especially the first half a dozen chapters of Acts 2. You'll see, and, and go back to the ministry of Jesus. You'll see healing. You'll see people taking care of people. The story of the Good Samaritan is a great picture. Somebody that's not supposed to have anything to do with somebody else is the very person that had something to do with somebody else. That's a picture of the church. That's the picture of Ziba and his family and his servants doing the work. That's what the church is supposed to be doing. If you're sending somebody to social services or somewhere else, you are not functioning as the church. Now, you know what? I predicted how well that one was going to go over to myself. But, folks, we've all done this before because we know that people are out here to do what they do, to work it and to milk it and to lie. But at the same time, that's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching and teaching next week so you'll be able to discern between people that's really ready for help and people that's just not ready and want help. And I mean spiritual help. But the church is here for this reason, 
to not just seek and save the lost, but to take care of them once they arrive into the family of God. And we don't just do that as a body. We do that as individual families, and we do that as individuals at our schools, in our church, our homes, our businesses, in our neighborhood. We do it everywhere. We are the extension. Christ is the head, and we're the rest of that, and we are to do the work. And that's what he said, Mephibosheth, listen. You don't have anything to worry about because I've got some people in place. If you'll just come in, if you'll, if you'll just make the trip, if you'll just come in, I'll handle everything else. And that's what the world has to see, church. They've got to see that church and Christianity and Jesus Christ and the cross is not the picture they've been given or what they think in their mind or how they were raised. But it's different when you look at it through the eyes of the Bible and not through any man-made doctrine. When you look at the Word of God, you will see Jesus with open arms and you'll see a body that's handling the work of Jesus to disciple people and love people and take care of people and be there to hurt when people hurt and to Celebrate when people celebrate. And that's what you see all the way back in this sixth, ninth chapter of 2 Samuel. You see that then and then you see it in the New Testament. That's our job until the trumpet sounds. And the fifth thing that the Lord wants you to know today that there actually is still room. Believe it or not, there's still room. It looks a lot different in here than it did in 2020 in the middle of the year. But there's still room here. But even more than in here, there's still tons of room at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. There's still so much room. There's room for you to bring a boyfriend that's putting pressure on you to sleep with you. There's room for you to put a friend that's trying to get you to vape or do drugs. There's room for you to get somebody to try to run around with you. There's room for you to get somebody that's stolen from you and don't want to have anything else to do with you. There is room for people that haven't spoken in months and years. There's still room for them people. But you've got to see that the picture's bigger than me and my flesh and what's been done to me or how I evaluate them. There's just simply room and these people need Jesus and these people need the church and I'm the zipper of the day to make sure that that happens. The Bible says in Luke chapter 14 that the servant said, Lord, it is done as you have commanded, and yet there is still room. I went out. I've asked. I've invited. I've texted. I've tweeted. I've posted. And the Lord says, good, but there's still room. Do it some more. Do it some more. If you filled up one seat this week, fill up one row next week. If you filled up one row this week, fill up another row this week, next week. If you filled up two rows this fill up a section next week. And when we, get the, when we get the church full two or three times, don't let that stop us because we got a whole school over there. We can put a few thousand over there. We can do it at the same time. Then we've got a bunch of equipment, about $100,000 or $200,000 worth of equipment. After the, after the pollen or the pallen, as Beckham called it, is gone, we can set up in a field somewhere and we can put tens of thousands out there. But the thing about it is there is still room right now. There is still room to bring somebody to the king and let them see what they have waiting on them if we can just get them there. Hallelujah. The Bible says also in the 17th verse of that same chapter, 
And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, all things are now ready. And that's what we need to tell people, folks. Listen, you need to, and I realize you might have to, you might start with inviting people to church, but I want to go so much deeper than that today. I want you to understand that I am under the impression that the trumpet could sound between now and next Sunday or now and Wednesday night, and you need to be inviting people to the king's table tomorrow, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Tuesday, at school. You need to be inviting somebody because we may not make it to church to get to do it, but look, you've got access 24-7. You can boldly approach the Holy of Holies. You can go in. The temple veil's been torn in. Into. You don't have to wait on a priest once a year. You can boldly go yourself and you can say, Father, here's my drug addict friend. Here's my in bondage lifestyle friend. And I'm bringing them to you. Jesus said, thank you. I'll handle it from here. He'll clean them up. He'll hook them up. He'll fix them up. And he'll set them up to do the same thing over again because that's what the king wants done in this last hour that we're living in. It's ready. It's ready. It's ready. All you got to do is just get to them, folks. It's ready. The Lord's ready and he's waiting. But you got to know this. Three things you've got to know. People are going to make excuses. Now, let me go over here. Everybody in here has made excuses before. Whether it's coming to Jesus, salvation whether it's coming to church, whether it's coming to prayer. You've made excuses before. People you've talked to or talked to this week have made excuses. Let me just read something to you if I can. I don't even know that I gave this to, to Derek, but I, I want to I read Luke 14. We're in the 14th chapter, by the way, but I want to go to verse 18, and I want you to hear what I'm telling you. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. Now, when they were bidden to come, the first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and we're going on the honeymoon tonight. And therefore, I cannot come. So let me just tell you that people are going to give you an excuse. But you got something they don't know you have. You want me to tell you what it is? You've got prayer. And you've got long-suffering. It's one of those gifts, one of those things the Lord gives you and you know what you've got breath in your body and you've got another day left to try it again and they're going to make excuse I can't go this weekend we plan to go out of town I can't go this weekend I, I can't pray right now because I, I just I want to get things right I don't know if anybody's ever been told that before but I want to tell you right now People are going to tell you that they've got some things they, got, they have to get straightened out before they come to Jesus. Can I tell you something you can tell them if you don't know this already? I'm sorry, but that will never happen. 
you can't, you can't get anything that God wants through Jesus Christ straightened out on your own. You can live good. You cannot cuss. You cannot drink. You cannot smoke. You can, you can get rid of your TV. You can say, I don't even own a cell phone. You can say, I, 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 I live a good, clean life, and I, and I want to get all that done, but you would still be way off the mark. What you have to do, you have to come to Jesus like you are. You've got to bring them while they are caught in the act of adultery. You've got to bring them while their hand is on the can. You've got to bring them when they're telling you no and they're cussing you out and they're cussing God. That's when they need to experience the grace of God right then. Nobody can get clean enough and good enough to get saved. Jesus died because we were already messed up. And he knows that. And so you're just messing up on top of messing up and being messed up. And all you can do is just say, Jesus, here I am. I'm a sinner. Save me. So nobody can use that against you or to try to keep you at bay because it doesn't work. The Lord knows that all of us like sheep are going to stray. And no, nobody is good. No, not one. So we've got to just say, look. I understand what you're saying, but we need to still pray anyway because their next drink, their next word out of their mouth could be their last one. See, we don't know. We're but a vapor, folks. And you don't know. There's been plenty of 17-year-olds that died. There's been plenty of 25-year-olds that died or uh, 62-year-olds that died as soon as they had it all fixed and was ready to retire. See, it comes in all shapes and sizes. It comes in all times of the day and the hour. You don't know when your last church service is. I don't know when my last message is. That's why every day you got to get up. You got to hit a home run. You got to go to them anyway. If they don't want it, you've got to feed it to them anyway because you are the zebra between heaven and hell for a lot of people in your life. So they're going to make excuses. You can't let that shut you down. You need to let that juice you up and fire you up. Don't let them, hey, look, the ball is always in your court. If God is for me, who can be against me? That means if, hallelujah, if God is for me, what kind of card can they play to get me off their trail? Man, I'm going I'm to hunt you down even harder if you tell me that. I'm going to fast another meal. Oh, don't say that. I'm going to pray another prayer. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. I'm going to drive. Hey, I'm about to lose. I know I won't lose Frankie and some of the others because y'all done this same thing. I'm going to drive around your neighborhood and pray one more time. Yeah, we do those kind of foolish things here. Listen, let me just part for a minute and say this. If my Bible tells me that the devil is the prince of the power of the air, and I know that the God inside me is greater. There's a lot of places you need to be driving around and you need to roll your window down and you need to pierce the air that is wicked around you and you need to call Jehovah God's name out. You need to say, Jesus, be the Lord of this neighborhood. Jesus, be the Lord of that joint right there. Jesus, be the Lord of that school there. Jesus, be the Lord of this workplace right here. You need to declare it. You're the king of king's child and you need to use what God has given you the Bible says you need to just roll your sleeves on up and invite the unexpected and that's verse 21 
So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of that house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Bring them all in. The people that nobody wants to spend any time with, the people that's been incarcerated in Scotland County, the people that they've dropped the ball and they've got a bad name and it, it would not be good for your social status to be seen with them. The Lord says, I am desperate. I'm going to read that to you in a minute. Go get them, Ziba. Go get them. I left you here. You're, you're not alive so you can make money and retire or be all that at school or be all that in the community. The only reason I didn't let the devil take you out when you were a teenager or a child to leave you here so you can do what that preacher's telling you about. Don't you fool yourself. You're not here to live and keep up with the culture and society of the day. The only reason I left breath in your body is so you can do this very thing. So you need to go seek and save those undesirable people. If your next door neighbor won't come to church with you or listen to you when you talk to them about Jesus, you go to your biggest enemy down the road and find them. That's the lane. And here's the deal. There's a lot of people in this world that they're maimed by a bad relationship. They, they got a foot missing or they've got an arm missing. Their heart has been broken. They've suffered loss in a way that you'll never know unless you've suffered it too. And all they would need to know is just Jesus could really take and give them joy for all those tears. He could give them a glad, happy heart in place of that, that long hold feeling that's had them all this time, all these years where they've been captured by grief and it's had them in the place. They just need somebody in their crippled state that they're in to say, look, there is a man, there is a God, there is a king, there is a shepherd, there's somebody that will come to you and forgive you and love you and they will stick by your side closer than your brother. His name is Jesus, but you've got to go to them because nobody else probably will go to them. So you've got to go to the people that's hurting, the people that's kind of turned to drugs or alcohol, or they turn in a direction that you know is contrary to what they really know is to be right and real and truth. So you got to invite the unexpected. You got to go in places you haven't been going. And you got to do whatever. This is the third thing you need to remember. You got to do whatever you have to do. Verse 23 said, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges. That means if they're not responding right here. <clears throat> now, when we go fishing, I used this not long ago, but that year that, that you sent, uh, you gave me that fishing uh, charter, and it was up around the Sneeds Ferry area, and the, the guide that took us, Ricky, he had a saying, he said, it come up when we were fishing. 
And he said, my daddy used to say, you don't leave fish to go catch fish. If they're not biting at home right here, you shake the dust off right now, you still pray for them, but we're running out of time, so you go out a little bit farther to the highways and the hedges. You go to the people that you absolutely believe are going to tell you no or cuss you out. That's where you go. That's your fishing hole right there. Because that's what the Lord said to do. And compel them. You know what that word compel means? I, I'm going to give you kind of a little bit of a, a, a meaning that I, I don't want it to be offensive. But that's everything short of beating them to death to drag them here or to drag them into the kingdom. Because you can't do it too bad because the devil is dragging and beating people as much and as hard as he can to drag them to hell. So the word compel means you do everything. Compel them. You plead with them. You do whatever you have to do personally with them to bring them in because, see, everything is now ready. At any moment, the trump of God could sound. So we are really out of time, and we can't waste any time. We've got to do what the Lord, the King, the Master wants done today. And he paid for it. The Bible tells us, and all of you know this, and I know it, but I want to read this in John 3, 16. But I want to read verse 17 along with this. For God so loved the world that he gave. This is why we have to do this. That he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him, whoever. So see, that's the lame. That's the people you think won't get saved. Or you don't care if they don't get saved. Which is a prayer of yours you need to pray. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And here you go, folks. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, which is what people accuse him of all the time. But the world through him might be saved. So Jesus is not here to condemn people. Jesus wants you to be the zibba. And Z Jesus wants you to bring people in. And here's the problem. Jesus is sitting at the table. Everybody in here that's a believer, you know what it feels like to eat continually at the king's table. You've prayed Give me this day my daily bread, and my Lord have mercy. He has done that. Amen. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. I've never seen that. There's not been a time when the Lord didn't provide some way. It might not have been the portion I wanted. It might not have been the thing I wanted. But my God has sustained me 55 years. Do you hear me? And he sustained you whatever the amount of time he's blessed and graced you with. So God, just like Mephibosheth, I came to Jesus. He said, if you come to me, I will in no wise cast you out. 
And see, we've got to quit doing the work of the Lord for the Lord that's his job to do. We've got to get this out of our mind of evaluating whether a person is worthy of coming to the king's table. We've got to get it out of our mind whether or not we want to invite people to the king's table. I'm telling you, you don't have a say-so in the matter because part of the agreement was, and people don't like this part, but part of the agreement was, I'm going to save your soul, but you're going to be my disciple. And you know what a disciple does? He does more than just follow along. He does what the master, what rabbi, what teacher taught him to do and, and modeled for him to do and show him to do. He said, I'm giving you this. You can tread on serpents and scorpions. You can say to this mountain be. And God didn't give us all these things and he didn't bless us with all these things so we can just sit idly by and watch people that need to come to the table starve to death spiritually out here. God has raised up a remnant in these last days and you are the Zeba remnant that God has raised up and God wants you to know that he's waiting to be faithful to them like he's been faithful to you if you will just let him do his job he'll do it but we got to do our job church this is where a lot of people are confused a lot of people are confused because we don't think people qualify for the table We don't think people qualify for the table. I want to tell you something that the Lord revealed to me in Scripture the other day. And I, I could be wrong. I could have missed something my whole life reading the Bible. But can I tell you all this? I've read about when he called this, the, the, the disciples more than one time. Not nary time have I read or have I ever heard anybody else say, that the Lord Jesus pulled somebody aside and I said, look, I'm calling you, Matthew, but before you can follow me, you got to, you got to get your act together. You got to quit cheating people. You got to quit doing people like you've been doing people and stuffing money. You got to quit doing that. No, he didn't do that, folks. What did he say? He said, come, follow me. Come, follow me. You see, that's what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to just to be the Zeba, go out here and to seek them. And then the Holy Ghost can convict people. He can show them. Zacchaeus said this when he come out of the tree. He said, look, Lord. He said, you've got a hold of me today. He said, listen, I ain't doing it no more. I'm not going to do that way. And if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to pay them back fourfold. He didn't go to a class. He didn't attend some kind of membership. He didn't check off. He didn't go for six months. But see, he had an encounter with the king. He was invited by the king. And then he invited the king to his table. And see, when you invite the king and you take the king up, then you don't want to live right. You don't want to do and get rid of things that don't resemble him. And see, we got to quit this. We got to quit saying, well, He's a homosexual and he hops around and he skips around on his wife or she does or he used to be a drug dealer or they uh, have a bad name at school or they're known for embezzling. And you know, we can go down a long list. We've got to quit that. Jesus didn't do that. He saw somebody and he called them. He said, look, 
Come on, come to the table. You come to the table. You come to the table. You come to, and they all came. And you know what? You're always going to have a Judas somewhere, but you need to get your mind off of the Judas and get your mind on the other 11 that will follow Jesus. So today, the Lord's sitting at the table of your life. And this is what he's doing. I wonder if they're going to bring anybody today. You ain't brought nobody to me in a long time. I got all this room right here. I saw them do that. They're real committed to that. I wonder if they're going to bring anybody to me today. I wonder if they're going to bring anybody to just let me be good to them. Wash away that old sin, that old dirty feeling. I wonder if they're going to bring anybody to me today so I can take that taste out of their mouth. I wonder if they're going to bring anybody to me that the devil's trying to make them think they're schizophrenic or they're crazy or, or they're a lunatic. I wonder if they're going to bring anybody to me today. I know my time's running out, but maybe somebody heard that preacher today. Maybe somebody's going to bring somebody. You know, I got a lot of goodness. I got a lot of kindness. I got a lot of love and mercy. I just wish somebody would bring somebody to this table today. I could show them great and mighty things that they know not of. They think they have everything they need, but oh, they hadn't tasted and seen that I'm good. I wonder if they're going to bring somebody today. I wonder if they're going to even think about bringing anybody to the table today. Have you ever thought about what God feels like on a daily basis? Have you ever thought about the void that might be in God's heart? Have you ever thought about the person that God's just waiting for you to, the Mephibosheth? Yeah, but he's lame. He's got a bad name, man. Everybody, everybody, he lost everything. I know, but the king wants him bad, you see. The king is looking for him. See, the king's not looking for everybody that has a good, clean name in the community because those people don't want to have anything to do with the Lord. The Lord's looking for people that saying, I need to eat that food. I need to be loved on by him. The devil's loved on me and destroyed me. Look at my arms. Look at my legs. Look at my frail body. The devil's had his way. I need to sit at the king's table. I've sat at the drug dealer's table. I need to sit at the king's table for a while. I'm going to ask you to stand up, if you will, all over the church. Turn that up if you would, please, Derek. Just, I want everybody to meditate. I was I was shattered by the fall. Broken and forgotten. Feeling lost and all alone. Summoned by the king into the man's cause. Lifted by the savior and cradled in his arms.
saved today. You, you've got close to the table. 
You know what the table looks like. But you, but you haven't, you haven't really just said, Lord, I want you to take every bit of me and I want you to wash me. I want you to wash my, my thought life, my opinions. I want to give you every bit of me. There, there's people here that, that need to be genuinely saved and, and I don't know about online. How many are? And if you're here, I want you to let the Lord do what we've talked about all morning long. I want you to allow the Lord to take care of you at the table. If you'll walk down here. We will pray right now. And online, I'll tell you what to do. But you don't need to play with this, folks, because the one part of this scripture that I've been made aware of again is that everything is now ready. Everything's ready, not just here, but every, in, in heaven. Everything is ready, you see. And I feel like at any moment, it's going to happen. So while I'm praying, if you're not here, I want you to pray this, whether you're in this building or you're somewhere online. Lord God, I am in need. I'm in desperate need to sit at this table of yours. I give you my sins. I give you everything that I possibly can give you, Lord. I surrender it and lay it at your feet. I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus to purge me and wash me and make me whiter than snow. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would cleanse me. I give you my life, not just my sins, but I give you my life. I want to sit at the table and I want to get everything you have for me, Lord. You are now my Lord and my Savior, my Shepherd, and my King. I'm proud and glad to call you that in my life. Father, this week, I pray, Lord, that our minds will continue to erase all the time, Lord, over, over people, the maimed, the halt, the lame, the blind, the crippled. Lord, the undesirables are the people that think they have it all put together, but, but inwardly, inwardly, they're decaying and they're dying and they have things that nobody knows about. God, I pray that we would have a spirit, Lord, Lord, of unrest about us until we, we invite people to the kingdom. We invite people to church, Lord. We pray for people. We ride through neighborhoods like we used to drive around the entire county and pray over the county. And you spared us from a flood one year, Lord, and all kinds of other things happened, Lord. Help us again, Lord, to go back to the basics and do, Lord, what we know to do. 
And that is to love people and save people from this world, Lord. This world is on a collision course, God. And we know the truth and the answer, Lord. So I pray you would anoint us. I pray you would bless us. Make your face shine on us, Lord. Be gracious to us. Give us peace. Turn your, your countenance toward us, God. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would, we would want to bring people. We would not get over the image, Lord, of you sitting and waiting. Today, Lord, today, help me not to get this out of my mind. Lord, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good week. It's going to be the best Wednesday night. It's going to be the best Sunday. It's going to be the best Monday. They're going to do it. I know they are. They're going to go there. They're going to swallow their pride. They're going to make this their schedule, that, this their agenda. God, I pray that we don't escape this. I pray it in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that every word I say, let the words that I say, Lord, the meditations of my heart, God, let them be acceptable in your sight. You are my strength, Lord, and